Hey, this is Glover Teixeira, UFC Light Heavyweight Champion. Hi, I'm Robbie Lawler. What's up, Fight Family? This is your favorite MMA coach, Thiago Alves, the Pitbull. Hey, what's up, guys? I'm Pedro Munoz. Mike Brown. Hey, I'm Alexey Alenik. And welcome. And welcome. And welcome. And welcome. And this is We Want One Picks. And you're watching We Want Picks. To We Want Picks. To We Want Picks. To We Want Picks. To We Want Picks. Hi, everybody from America. My name's Angelo, and welcome to We Want Picks. Jacob and I are going to break down the entire UFC 277 fight card, giving you our picks, our bets, and our fantasy plays. We're coming off a bunch of really good weeks in a row. Up money, crushing DFS, all is well. The bets, stop being a dork. All is well, the bets have been good. And if you want some access to those bets nice and early, become a premium member. If you go to wewantpicks.com, you scroll to the top, Click become a member. It's $10 a month. That's $2. There's some good stuff in there. Swear to and 50 cents per... I hate when you do that. It is $2.50 per week. You have access to all of our future bets. Instead of waiting for the Friday betting breakdown, We are, Jacob already has bets on there on the uh, all the way out to the Piotr Jan Sean O'Malley fight. So future bets, fantasy information, anything you could ever want to help you make even more money. It's $10 a month, $2.50 a week, scroll to the top of wewantpicks.com, click on become a member. And we have some crazy news about two members. Joe Todoro, valued community member and a premium member, took down a $53,000 tournament with his lineup. And then we publicized that. Obviously, we're very proud of Joe. And then Frank Joe Dune, one of the writers at wewantpicks.com said, hey, I had the exact same lineup. I didn't win the big one because I didn't enter the big one, but I won some money myself as well. So here's a screen grab of his lineup, same lineup, winning about $2,600. So two premium members at wewantpicks.com, absolutely crushing it this past weekend. Congratulations to both of you guys. And congratulations to you as well because we're going to give you 50 bucks. All you need to oh, do. Oh, I thought you were going to say to me for my lock. I thought that was a nice transition. Congratulations for you. The greatest lock of the week of all no. time. Plus 375 underdog, three in a row. You can wait till the next slide to talk we about We want picks.com slash bets. Go to we want picks.com slash bets. Sign up, make a deposit. We send you 50 bucks. I literally spent half of today paying people. And it actually always like burns my ass to pay people because I paid out many hundreds of dollars today. And that's every day, which drives me nuts. But then it all works itself out because then obviously the, um, we get compensated. So we want picks.com. We want picks. We want picks.com slash bets. Sign up with any one of our betting partners. Make a deposit. I will send you $50. It's an interesting fight card. It's not the greatest pay-per-view on paper. But as we break it down, as we look at these fights, there's some exciting fights. And it's usually these random cards with a bunch of last-minute replacements that end up being absolute bangers. Yeah, the bar is uh, set a little bit low because UFC London, there was a few good fights, but overall that card pretty much sucked, I, I think, uh, yeah. overall with those fights. Those are a lot of just kind of grinding wrestling matches, and we might see a couple of those in this one, but this should be a lot better as far as uh, matchups go, I would think. Yeah, listen, on its surface, is this worth 80 bucks? Probably not, but I guarantee come fight night, these will actually be a bunch of really good fights. So let's go ahead and jump right in. And opening up UFC 277, we have Orion Kose. Taking on Mike Mathetha, it's not, I don't have a lisp. His name is Mike Mathetha, 
aka Blood Diamond. Orion Kose, 7-1 overall, 4-1 in his last five. And he's coming off a TKO loss to Philip Rowe about a year ago. Blood Diamond, 3-1 in his entire career, and he's coming off a submission loss in his UFC debut. Orion Kose is a solid grappler. He's very strong and he has powerful wrestling. His fight IQ is not the best. His chin isn't the best. But he is a grinder and he will pressure forward the entire fight. I knocked his fight IQ just now because at times he just relies on his strength. And he just uses that instead of techniques and he'll end up blowing some positions and losing some scrambles. He's never been to a decision before and I really don't see that changing in this fight. Because he's fighting Blood Diamond. And he's a very experienced striker. He has over 100 professional kickboxing matches. And that was before he transitioned to MMA. He's coming out of that city kickboxing gym with Izzy, Dan Hooker, Volk, and the rest of them. So you know he's getting proper MMA training, even though he has that solid kickboxing background. He was able to defend four of Jeremiah Wells' takedowns in his last fight. But then he ended up getting submitted. He's absolutely a striker. If you look at his record when you're doing your own research, you're going to see there's a submission win in there, but that's nonsense. He was literally thrown, and when he was thrown, he just landed in a rear naked choke and got it. So he didn't officially earn that, if you know what I mean. This is a good old-fashioned striker versus grappler matchup. Nine out of ten times, I take the grappler. This one's a little different, though, because Kosei, yes, he's a grappler. But he's not shooting nice, clean doubles, right? He's pressuring you against the cage. He's using his strength to drag you down. And Blood Diamond's got solid cage defense. And he's got very dangerous knees up the middle from those positions. That could be an issue for Kosei. So conventional wisdom says go with a grappler over a striker. I think Blood Diamond is incredibly live here. I think the only bet to really make is the fight is not going to go the distance. I'm probably leaning Kosei, but this, this is a real tricky fight. What do you think, Jackie Boy? Yeah, the odds makers agree with you. That is a minus 300 bet yeah. that the fight does not go the distance. But I agree. It's, it, it is probably a safe bet. And, um, you know, that I'm trying to think that that Jeremiah Wells fight is interesting because obviously it was a little bit of a low fight cue moment for Blood Diamond as well because the initiate Jeremiah Wells started sprinting around the outcome and started to fall. Blood Diamond initiated that clinch. But as you mentioned, he showed pretty good takedown defense for the majority of that clinch takedown attempts by Jeremiah Wells. Eventually, he got him down. And Jeremiah Wells is a much better jiu-jitsu uh, practitioner than Orion. But I think Orion is a much better wrestler as far as getting the fight to the ground. So if they're in that position, I know that Blood Diamond, people are going to look at that and say, oh, well, he was doing pretty well for a while, and, and, and Jeremiah Wells really had to work for that. But Jeremiah Wells isn't really a wrestler. He's a, he's a heavy-handed uh, guy that just happens to be a very, very good uh, jiu-jitsu guy as well with Orion, as you mentioned, will grind and work and, and attack your legs for those takedowns. And once he gets you down, he's, he's pretty controlling because that Phil Rowe fight, he, he got Phil Rowe to the ground. And Phil Rowe's a long guy that's uh, very well versed on the ground. He was able to control him pretty, really, pretty well in that pretty fight. Pretty, witty witty. Pretty, pretty well, pretty, pretty well in that fight. And the thing that also he showed off, you mentioned his chin, he actually kind of showed how tough he was in that fight because he got hit. And it was one of those, was like, oh, God, he's out of it. He's out of it. And then also he just starts throwing bombs and he clips, his, he clips Phil. And he's like, oh, my God, he's back in it. He's one of those guys that even when he's hurt and if Blood Diamond hurts him, he's got to be careful because he will either be coherent enough to shoot a takedown which you mentioned his low fight IQ, he probably won't. Or he will come up throwing absolute heat and absolute bombs, and Blood Diamond's got to be careful trying to chase a finish if he is able to hurt Orion. But 
as you mentioned, the, the path to victory is there. I'm not sure why they keep setting up Blood Diamond to fail, basically. I mean, they literally keep setting him up to fail against wrestlers, knowing he cannot wrestle. And I think the path to victory is there. Ryan, I think he's able to easily get a takedown, and his control is very, very good on the ground if he's on top of you. So I got to go Ryan here. This is the battle I, I love. The battle of the names here. Blood Diamond, obviously fantastic. Orion, another fantastic name. But my picks are me, Orion, in this. Um, but if, you know, I'll be rooting for a Blood Diamond KL. That'll be fun to see. Yeah, it'll be interesting, especially, like I said, those knees in the clinch because Blood or, uh, Orion's not just shooting takedowns. He's working in close, trying to drag you to the ground, and that's where really some clinch work can happen. Listen, DraftKings, uh, you know, uh, th there's a big gap between them price-wise, but I, I honestly think both of them are priced pretty well. Because if Orion gets it to the ground, conventional wisdom says he should get a finish. And if Blood Diamond does what he wants to do, it'll be a finish. So is Orion worth the 8800 bucks? I'm not quite sure yet, but I do think he wins, and it's probably by finish. What do you think? Yeah, I think he's a little bit safer than the 7400 I mean, the 7400 you're looking for an early, early knockout. You know, multiple lineups, definitely throw Blood Diamond in one of your lineups. But for a single entry, I think it's a little bit risky. Probably. And then we have the Monkey Knife Fight strike line. If you don't know what that is, Monkey Knife Fight is daily fantasy. All you need to do is save more or less than the number you see on the screen, and you can triple your money. 64 strikes. This is total strikes, not significant strikes. 64 to 43. You know, while I do think there's probably a stoppage in this fight, I don't think it's immediate. I think they'll go at it, feel each other out. Both these guys are pretty tough. I could see this being a more and more. What do you think? Yeah, I think I, I, I see that too, because I don't think Orion's going to shoot a double, blast double, get him on the ground, and just start raining elbows. You got to imagine Blood Diamond is every single day is going to be improving, improving, improving in the wrestling and the grappling. It probably does extend for a little bit. So, probably more, more. Yeah, and like I said a couple times now, Orion doesn't shoot doubles. He doesn't really lower his level. He works right. against the cage and tries to take you down from there. And that's really where you get some strikes in. And, and every single little pitter patter counts in Monkey Knife Fight. So, check that out at slash M. KF, they will instantly match your deposit if you want to go ahead and give that a go. And if you want 50 free bucks, we want slash bets. Sign up, make a deposit. We send you $50 as a thank you. Next up at UFC 277, we have Nick Negamarenu taking on Ihor Pateria. And this is an interesting matchup. Nick Negamarenu is 12 and 1 overall, 4 and 1 in his last five, riding a 3 fight win streak ehor pateria 20 and 2 overall 5 and 0 in his last five riding a 17 fight win streak and he is making Ooh. his official ufc debut nick negamarino is a striker who is incredibly durable he throws everything crazy with bad intentions pressures forward he throws mostly looping shots and he'll just stand right in front of you he does rely on his chin and his power but he does have a backup plan if he's on the wrong side of some exchanges He's got some slam-style muscle takedowns in there. Uh, they're not clean, but he's tough and he's strong, so he can force them and make it happen. He showed incredible heart in his decision win against Kamer and his power in his KO over Villanueva. He's coming off that win over Kennedy and Chuckle where he we really got to see everything, right? His cage wrestling, his durability, his pressure. He did have some trouble with Kennedy's range, but he was able to work through that. Ihor Pateria, he's a solid striker with a very loose style. He's got... Solid power and very good accuracy, but he can be hittable. He's coming off a contender series win where he was completely outstruck, had his one takedown attempt stuffed, but he's able to pull off the knockout. And that seems to be the story of his career. 
He either steamrolls you because he's just willing to trade and has power, or he falls behind and then just finds that one lucky punch. The reason he's so hittable is because of his stance. His hands are low and they're like Gumby loose, and he just walks forward relying on his chin. I like Nick in this fight. Ehor's fun. He has that loose style and a solid chin, but he's way too hittable. He can be taken down, and Nick isn't exactly a wrestling beast, but he does have takedowns in two of his three wins, two of his three UFC wins, and he's very durable. So I don't see him wilting to Ehor's pressure, and I think Ehor, who has only been to a handful of decisions in his 20-plus fights, is the one who gets frustrated, folds under the pressure. I'm going Nick Negamoreno, the underdog in this fight. We think Jackie Bay. Yeah, this was one of those ones. If you look at, if you watch my Twitter as I was breaking this down live and, and, and tweet my analysis on this fight, I, I broke down the fight and then I looked at the odds. I'm like, what the hell is going on with these odds? Uh, Nick opened up, I think, as a plus 170. Now he's already at a plus 110. He's going to be the favorite by the time this fight starts because people are starting to realize who Eeyore is. Is it Eeyore? Eeyore? I whore? I say I'm in whore. I am a whore. English. Um, once people, <laughs> once people realize and see his record, people are already talking about it in the chat. I'm not going to go through everything about his record and the people he's fought, but I will say he's been to three round decisions versus an 0 and 6 fighter, a split decision versus a 12 and 22 fighter, and another decision, three round decision versus a 2 and 4 fighter. And there is much more of that in his padded record of his 17 wins in a row. He's fought people that have never won 0 and 12. You guys should need to check it out. But... He is only 26 years old, and he does show flashes of knowing what he's doing in there, right? You mentioned, uh, I, I've seen some improving takedown defense. He can't get taken down, but you saw in the Contender Series fight, he, he showed some improving takedown defense. His striking is getting a little bit cleaner, but he really is kind of that chin-up, throw haymakers type of guy and hope he knocks you out where, you know, Nick is kind of that same type of guy. He loves to brawl and he saw him have issues in his last fight versus Kennedy with the length of Kennedy, right? He, he wants to get inside and really brawl with you and he was not able to do that versus Kennedy. This is the perfect matchup if you're Nick. Obviously, it's a good matchup for Ehor as well because he wants to brawl and he wants to find that big shot. But if you're Nick, you're going to be able to get inside the pocket on this guy. You're going to have the experience, the more technical striking. You just got to watch out for those big overhand rights. And this should be an easy striking battle. And as you mentioned, if he does for some reason get in trouble, because he's tough as hell, right? I mean, I, I have... I do not see, and I'm going to jinx it here, but I do not see Eeyore just flatlining Nick. He might clip him a little bit, but in those situations, he does have the wrestling in his back pocket to fall back to. This is a Nick play all the way, man. I The second I saw this, I placed my bet. I think I got him at plus uh, 117. Let me see if I can check this real quick. Uh, 117. He's at plus 110, right? He, he's going to finish as the favorite once people catch on to what's going on here. He's a, he's a very good fighter. Nick is a very good fighter, technical striker that loves to brawl. I think it's a perfect matchup for him, and I think he finds the knockout or at least the TKO in this matchup. So I'm, I'm Nick all the way in this matchup. Yeah, so we're both we're both on the underdog, and uh, I like his price point, $7,800 in DraftKings. I do like that. Certainly, Ehor has a very long career of finishing people, but I don't think Nick will be that guy. He's very durable. He can also be a finisher. So I like him at $7,800. you are nodding your head. And the Monkey Night Fight Strike Line, 75 to 58. I think this is kind of a war. I think this is a longer fight, a drag him out fight. I do think Ehor may uh, break by the end of it, but I'm not sure. So it, honestly, it's probably a Monkey Knife Fight more, more. But if Nick works in some takedowns early, it may be a, a more or less or a less less. What do you think? 
Yeah, that 75 seems a little bit high because if he really pushes the pressure, because Nick Light likes to push the pressure. If he really pushes the pressure on Ehor, I think he can get him out there quick because he's going to be just throwing strike, throwing bombs, and, he, and Nick's going to be in the pocket just throwing volume. So I don't, I don't love this line. Yeah, well, uh, if you feel strongly about it, go to weonpicks.com slash MKF, sign up. They will instantly match your deposit. And uh, you can take that free deposit money and, and do the more or less in these strike lines. If you want 50 free dollars, go to wewantpicks.com slash bets. Sign up with any one of our five betting partners, make a deposit, and we send you 50 bucks as a thank you. Next up at UFC 277, we have Ji Young Kim taking on Jocelyn Edwards. Jocelyn Edwards stepping up on short notice here. Ji Young Kim is nine and five overall. One and four in her last five, but should be two and three after her last fight. She kind of got robbed there. Jocelyn Edwards, 11 and four overall, three and two in her last five, coming off a decision win just last month. Jiyun Kim is a striker who likes to fight at range and pick people apart. She's coming off one of the worst decisions we've seen this year. She landed 70 more strikes than Priscilla Cachero and controlled the cage, but the judges just did not see it that way. If the judges don't gift it to you, the way that you beat Kim is to take a shot or two to get inside that range and then grapple with her. She was taken down in four of her five UFC losses. And while she has solid submission defense, she doesn't really scramble well enough to work back to her feet and get her hands going. Jocelyn Edwards is stepping up on short notice and she is coming off that nice win over Ramona Pascal just one month ago. She's a good kickboxer who uses range well. She has a variety of strikes, but she does prefer to kick. In fact, in that fight with Pascal, and I don't have any like official stats to back this up, I would say well more than half of the total strikes that she threw were just straight-up kicks. And if you can get inside and make it a dirty fight, you can break Edwards, but getting inside that range is not an easy thing to do, especially with those kicks out there. It's a tricky fight to pick because we have two rangy strikers that are going to be looking to stay on the outside and just pick each other apart. Neither woman is particularly dangerous, but both are very busy and technically sound. I think Kim's volume is going to be a problem for Jocelyn, and Jocelyn's kicks will be a problem for Kim. I think Jocelyn gets it done, though. Her UFC losses were very grappling heavy, right? She gave up five takedowns to Jessica Rose Clark, four to Carol Rosa, but she still put up solid striking numbers in those fights. Without the threat of a takedown from Kim, I think Jocelyn settles in and she's able to outpoint her way to a decision. But I fully recognize that Kim is better than her recent record. What do you think, Jackie boy? Yeah, I'm a big fan of Kim, actually. She actually, she's one of those fighters that really kind of gets better as the fight goes on. And if you are not a fan of women's MMA and women's fighters, this is one of those fighters that you can be a fan of because she... It's not the fastest, right? She's not the most powerful, doesn't have the quickest footwork, not the quickest punches, but she gets hit and doesn't give a fuck. She will just keep throwing, and she is one of the toughest girls in the UFC, I, I, in my mind, honestly. I love the way that she fights. She just will take punches and just keep throwing and just keep throwing. She's never flustered. She never seems like she's out of the fight. You mentioned that last fight versus Priscilla. I mean, she just kept throwing punches nonstop. And Jocelyn, you know, is one of those girls. I think this is complete. I think this is absolutely a kickboxing match, right? This is going to be a kickboxing match, 100. percent 
And I'm going to go with the tougher fighter here because you saw Jocelyn. I'm not saying she's not tough, right? Because she doesn't get finished a lot. But against Pascal in that last fight, she got hurt in the in the in the end of that first round. And she kind of panicked, right? I mean, she was like diving for legs. She and was able to survive that first round. But Kim is somebody that even when she's hurt, you can't really tell that she's hurt because she just keeps on throwing and she's long with her punches and they're not the fastest things and and they're not the most powerful things you've ever seen and she will get hit but as you mentioned the volume will be there the toughness will be there she will keep throwing and will end every exchange every exchange is going to end with a kim strike not a jocelyn strike and i think that's the way that she gets the decision win so i i think that they are both pretty even in the striking you know i don't disagree with their jocelyn pick this is pretty much a coin toss but i'm gonna go with the tougher striker and the tougher fighter that I see in Kim. I, I love Kim as a fighter. Yeah, it's, um, you know, I, I, I'm not going to argue with you there, right? I think this is a, a very close fight. Uh, Kim, like you said, has proven to be tough. She should have won her last fight. And Jocelyn was rocked in that Ramona fight. But if anything, that just shows you that she can shake it off and keep going because then she won the next two rounds to take that fight. So uh, I like Johnson Edwards here. I, I think this should be a pick. Of my, you know, $8,300 in DraftKings. You know, that, that's not a lot of money in DraftKings, but it just seems that makes her a good size favorite. This is short notice. This is at, I think this is at flyweight at 125 pounds. Jocelyn Edwards is a 135 pounder. So that's a factor. Jocelyn Edwards last is, fight was 145. Yeah, but that, you know, that was just for Ramona, I guess. Um, uh, she's not six foot eight. She's five foot eight. That was a typo that you people jumped on real quick. But I so, am you know, yeah, oh, you know, your apology has this at one thirty five. Okay. Yeah. So I made this graphic on Sunday. So that means they've updated it since then. So anyway, so it, all right, fine. It's at one thirty five. Um, you know, I, I like Edwards to win. I think she'll be the more powerful striker. I think she'll be the more technical striker. And like you said, Kim is tough. She will keep coming forward. So it'll be fun. It'll be interesting. Yeah, I don't know what to the, do. It. Before we move on, go keep talking about I want to go back to something real quick. But go ahead. Okay. Uh, I was going to say DraftKings. I don't know what to do here because I do think Jocelyn wins, but it's probably a decision and it's probably kickboxing. Those don't score particularly well. 109 strikes to 92 strikes. You know, in theory, that should hit. Two high-volume female strikers should go to the distance, should go over that line. But they are rangy strikers who use range. They may be trying to, like, you know, uh, stay on the outside, both of them, and not really engage. Do you find what you're looking for? Yeah, I was going to say that no matter who is on the plus three and a half side, I think that was going to be a good bet. And obviously it's it's Kim, but it's minus 230. So they're on to it a little bit, but I still think that might be a, yeah, I don't know. I think it's a good play. I think Kim's going to win, so I think that's a good play. But I, I think that she wins outright, so you might as well just play the money line. I don't like the minus 230. Change my mind. Change my mind. I well, think Jocelyn's going to win the first round, lose the next two. Yeah, well, we'll uh, we'll see what happens with this fight. It's an interesting one. Don't spend your money. we got plenty of other fights. We don't need to uh, spend it on this one. But if you want some free money, go to wewantpicks.com slash bets. Sign up. Make a deposit with any one of our five betting partners. And we will send you $50 as a thank you. That's weonpick.com slash bets. Next up, at UFC 277, we have Michael Morales taking on Adam Fugit. Fugit. Hey, it's a, it's this poor guy, his whole life. Michael Morales poor is... Poor guy, that'd be incredible. I mean, that's an incredible name. It's better than lines, cool. I'll tell you that. It's better than He's, fucking Bodetti. 
13-0 overall. He's got 11 stoppage wins. Adam Fugit is 8-2 overall, 4-1 in his last five, riding a four-fight win streak and making his short-notice UFC debut. This entire card is loaded with late replacements, last-minute switch-ups. This is another one. Michael Morales was supposed to fight Ramiz Brahimai, but Ramiz dropped. So Adam stepped up on short notice and is by far the biggest underdog in this entire card. Michael Morales is an absolute killer. He's a freestyle wrestling national champion, a Muay Thai national champion from Ecuador. He's got fantastic footwork and a great jab. He is a Muay Thai national champion, but he doesn't have that traditional Muay Thai high guard stance. He has a nice loose boxing stance, which is what allows him to work in and out so well. His takedowns are clean, but they are more throws and trips than traditional shots. My only knock on Morales would be that he can be slow to engage at times, but that really wasn't the case in his last fight with Trevin Giles. He tripled Trevin's strikes, defended three takedowns, and got the KO win all within four minutes. Adam Fuga is stepping up on short notice here, but he did just fight four months ago, and he talked about how he's been in a camp. He's a forward pressure wrestler with very loose boxing style. He bounces on his tiptoes with a high guard, and then he just lunges in for takedowns. He is incredibly strong, and even when he doesn't have the best takedown entries, he can just pick you up and slam you. Even though he has a high guard, it's not tight, and just straight punches get right through somewhat easily. He's very tough. He's hard to put away, but he does get cracked and dropped, almost like what we saw with Matt Schnell a few weeks ago. Michael Morales, I mentioned he was supposed to fight Ramiz Brahimai. Ramiz is a nasty grappler. Now he's fighting Adam Fugit, who's also a grappler, but just not really that same level. He's more of a wrestler, not much of a jujitsu threat. I absolutely love Morales here. I think this is a very straightforward win. I'm just praying you know, that the odds stay somewhat contained because they already started to jump off. Guys, if you're a premium member, I put that early bet up there as soon as the line dropped. It started to move already. So, you know, if you're not a premium member, I'm telling you now, hop on that. And if you're not a premium member, just become one because all of our early bets, all of our early lines go up there. That's weonpicks.com. Scroll to the top, click, become a member. Michael Morales, he's probably going to be in some parlays. He's definitely going to be in my Monkey Knife Fight Knockout Kings and probably my DraftKings lineup. What do you think? Jake Lutz. Uh, yeah, obviously the play is Michael in this matchup, but I'll be honest with you. Um, he needs to be careful, uh, because if he comes into this matchup overconfident, I don't love what I see in the striking for Michael. Obviously it's probably going to work for the time being, but once he starts getting to those top guys in the division, I understand he's always well, he's, he's only like 22 years old, so he's going to continue to improve it. I know he was the, the national champion, one time national champion, whatever, whatever. I see a lot of chin up, and, and you saw that in the Trevin jo- in the Trevin Jones fight. He, he he got he got clipped a little bit. That was actually a great fight for him, especially being a young fighter, because he had to re- overcome some real adversity in that fight. He got hurt. He got taken down. Trevor was able to stuff the takedowns. Trevor was on top of him at one point, but he came back and won the fight. But if you see the, if you really watch a lot of those exchanges and those striking exchanges, I know he ended up fighting the knockout, but you know he, he, he I see a chin up in the air, and Adams a guy. That just throws wild shit, man. So if there's a situation, I'm not gonna. I'm not saying that Adam's gonna win. I'm just saying if there was a situation where there's a wild exchange and Adam throws some wild shit and Michael's chin is just hanging in the air, 
we could see a big, big upset in this matchup. So I hope that Michael does not come in and really think that he's just going to run through this guy and it's just going to come forward hands down and think I'm going to knock this guy out. I hope he really takes it serious and works on his game, works in some takedowns, and, and really tries to grind this guy. Because if he's just looking for a flash knockout or something crazy, Adam in his last fight was a plus 400 underdog, was not supposed to win that fight, came out through eight, I think it was eight straight head kicks. Boom, <laughs> boom. Boom, the guy does not give a shit. He is going to look for that knockout, especially in this big pay-per-view opportunity that he has in front of him. And if Michael's chin's sitting there waiting, he's going to be in big, big trouble. So obviously the play is Michael. He is the overall. He is going to be around for a long, long time in this company, in the in this weight class. So um, Michael's a play, but you better tuck that chin and be careful, especially early. Yeah, I mean, certainly, you know, it's, basically what you said is it's a fist fight and anything can happen, and that is true. But uh, well, I think against some people, some people cannot get knocked out. The way he holds his chin, he can get knocked out. Well, uh, the line's moving. I hopped on it early. Uh, definitely going to slap them together in a few parlays. I think it's as close to a short thing as you can get in this sport, which, you know, it is MMA. $9,500. He'll probably be in my DraftKings lineup. I think he's worth it. I think he puts up solid numbers. I think he probably gets a finish. And this is short notice. And he's a killer. And he was prepared for a nasty grappler. So he was already preparing for a similar fight. Obviously, Adam's got some better hands than Ramiz. But, you know, I, I think it's sort of a no-brainer. I'm not going to touch the monkey knife fight strike line, though, because I don't know how it goes. He could put Adam He could take Adam down and put him away inside of 30 seconds. Or it could look like Terrence McKinney drew Dober. I, I'm not, you know, who knows? But I do think Michael Morales steamrolls here. I don't know if it's the first round, second round, or what. So I'm going to leave monkey knife fight alone. Do you think Monkey Knife Fight's worth a play or just let it sit? I think it's probably less, less. I think Adam's going to come across and do some weird shit, and he's either going to find a knockout or get flatlined probably. So, Yeah, it could be. So uh, you agree with DraftKings? You're going to spend the money on Michael? Uh, probably, yeah. Yeah. All right. So Michael Morales across the board. The play, though, for Monkey Knife Fight is not the strike line. Monkey Knife Fight has a game called Knockout Kings. You can pick any three fighters on the entire card, throw them in there, and if one of them wins by KO or TKO, you can 25% net profit. That's basically free money. Michael Morales will be one of my three fighters. I think he wins by KO or TKO, whether it's on the ground or on his feet. So that's essentially free money. And I have two more people to pick from. And we got a couple of bangers on this card. We own picks.com slash MKF. They will instantly match your deposit. Even if you don't want to mess with the strike lines, just do knockout kings every single week. Next up, at UFC 277, we have Drakkar Close taking on Rafa Garcia. Drakkar Close is 12-2 overall, 4-1 in his last five, coming off a knockout win just two months ago. Rafa Garcia is 14-2 overall, 3-2 in his last five, coming off two dominant grappling wins in a row. Drakkar Close is coming off that beautiful knockout over Brandon Jenkins where he looked fantastic that entire fight. But if you remember, before that fight, he was scheduled to fight Jeremy Stevens until he was pushed at weigh-ins. He got hurt and that fight was canceled. He still, to this day, talks about having permanent injuries from that push. It didn't seem to be an issue. It didn't seem to be bothering him in that fight with Brandon Jenkins, but he is very vocal about, I have permanent injuries from that. So, you know, I, I, I don't think it's a factor because it wasn't a factor in his last fight, but he, he says it out of his own mouth that it is an issue. Style-wise, Drakkar is a very good wrestler, but he developed striking over the years. He was a state champion wrestler who uses his wrestling offense, but 
does have some issues defending takedowns. He has solid boxing with power and speed. Rafa Garcia is stepping up on short notice, like half of this card is, after Jakar's original opponent dropped out. Rafa's a good grappler with heavy hands and just okay cardio. He's an absolute dog when he fights, and even when he is completely gassed, he's still pushing and chasing that knockout. He's very dangerous, and while he is a grappler at his core with seven submission wins, he has legit power in his hands, and many of those submissions were set up from the strikes. This should be a fun fight. Both these guys can wrestle. Both of them can bang on their feet. Drakkar's coming off that very dominant win after a two-year layoff, and Rafa's coming off back-to-back dominant wins. And if we didn't just see how evolved Drakkar's striking has become, I actually would have picked Rafa here. I picked him to beat Natan Levy, who everybody was insisting Natan Levy's the greatest thing in the world. He took him down seven times to control the jiu-jitsu, had no issues. But after seeing Drakkar striking and knowing that he is a solid wrestler, I think I'm going to pick Drakkar here. So I think he can piece up Rafa on the feet and just hopefully can defend those takedowns. His takedown defense is only 68%. But he has won several fights where he was also taken down, like Christos Gallegos, Mark DeCasey, Lando Venata, and he even beat Bobby Green, who took him down. So Jakar Close is the pick, but don't sleep on Rafa Garcia. That dude's good. Very, very good. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, he... Yeah, he is good. And as you mentioned, Dakar Close, a wrestler that started to pick up the uh, striking. But in the striking, here's the things that, that kind of worry me about his striking. is He's a, a pretty flat-footed, just kind of plotting forward type of guy. And Rafa is a guy that throws heavy, heavy leg kicks. I mean, he throws heavy leg kicks at front leg. So when Dracar is trying to march down, because I think that this matchup is a, a style of Dracar likes to push the pressure, not like a super pressure but he likes to walk forward he will stalk you as he's moving forward and Rafa's a guy that will move backwards right so I think that the tail of the tape is going to be is going to be Jakar slowly moving forward but eating leg kicks on the way and the other big thing that worries me about Jakar is and I'm a big Jakar fan is he has wrestling and you mentioned the the lack of ability in the defensive wrestling but also in scrambles as well he doesn't seem like he has much jujitsu and jujitsu scrambles in his game so if he's on top he can lay on you it's fine but if you really start scrambling in those positions, he it's really hard for him to keep control of people in those positions. And obviously, Rafa's a guy that knows what he's doing on the ground and, and can engage in those scrambles. So even if Jakar uses offensive wrestling, I could see Rafa kind of scrambling to positions, and all of a sudden, it's 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 Jakar taking him down, and all of a sudden, Rafa's got his back in those situations because Rafa is so much more well versed on the on the ground than Jakar. If I'm rough in this matchup, you know, I think I need a takedown early because Jakar is a guy that as he's stalking you, he becomes more and more dangerous, right? He He's starting to become this heavy-handed guy that he finds those big strikes once you're against the cage. So if Rafa's back is against the cage, Jakar will, will lunge in with those big strikes and he finds the targets more often than not lately. Um, if I'm rough, I, I want to try and get a takedown early, really wear on the gas tank of, of close a little bit. But at the same time, if you're Rafa and you start shooting takedowns and you don't get them, now you have to worry about your own gas tank, right? So it's kind of a devil's advocate situation where do you want to risk it or do you want to just kind of play the long game? Either way, I think somebody finds a knockout right here. I, I think that both these guys really get after it the first couple rounds. They both seem to kind of fade as the fight goes on. I think somebody finds the other in that situation, late second, you know, third round. I know odds makers disagree with me. I think the fight does not go the distance. It's like plus money. Um, I might play it on a little bit of a flyer, but my pick's going to be Jakar because I think he's got the power advantage, but Rafa's very live in this matchup. And if there's ever a scramble situation, I could see him finding a weird submission as well. So my pick is Jakar. I like his power and his offensive wrestling, but Rafa's definitely live in this matchup.
Yeah, you know, I mentioned Dracar can get taken down, and that is a problem here. So $9,100 in DraftKings, you know, uh, Rafa's super tough. He's not really a guy that you're going to go out there and finish. $9,100, you're probably looking for a finish or some very real points. You know, I do think Dracar wins. He does have power in his hands. Rafa is taking this on short notice. He did have cardio issues in the past. His last fight didn't seem to be, you know, his cardio seemed okay in his last fight. But that wasn't short notice. This is. So lots of questions. Are you going to spend the $9,100 on Dracar Close? No, I, I just think there's too many opportunities for Rafa to win this fight. It, it just makes it a little bit too dangerous for me. Yeah, I, I probably agree with you there. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, probably leave him out of my DraftKings lineup. But we'll see when I'm building it. You know, like last week, uh, I loved Jai Herbert. But right when I was going to go hit submit in my lineup, I didn't put him in. And I actually threw your lock of the week in there. And it worked out for me. I had a 6-0 lineup. Not nearly as impressive as Joe's or, or Frank's, but solid lineup. Anyway, Monkey Knife Fight Strike Line, 82 to 65. I, I actually think it's probably, man, 82 is high, but I think it's a more and more. I, th I think they go at it. I don't think this fight is an early stoppage. I think they go at it. Both of them are very tough. And even if Hoffa's getting lit up, I could just see him diving at legs and just really just being a dog and hanging in there. What do you think? Yeah, if there's a finish, I, I said that there might, I think there's a finish, but I also think it's going to be a late finish where it's, it's going to be more of a gas tank finish, right? Not somebody's getting a flat line. It's going to be like somebody is against the fence, like really in trouble and the other person's laying on the volume. I think the, the monkey knife fight line really relies on Rafa, whether he wrestles early or does not, because sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't. Yeah. So it's a, uh, it's probably a more and more play. It's probably the safe play. Yep. Well, I think, uh, I guess we agree, Jake. Wow. Um, yeah. You if me. you guys, I don't agree with you. Oh, okay. No, yeah, good point. If you guys want to check out Monkey Knife Fight, wewantpicks.com slash MKF. They will instantly match your deposit. And if you want 50 free dollars, I literally paid, I, I don't know how much I paid out today, but it was a lot. It was more than 500 bucks. It was a lot. Just go to wewantpicks.com slash bets. Sign up with any one of our five betting partners. Give me a few days to verify your deposit and I'll send you 50 bucks as a thank you for supporting us and said partners, that's weonpicks.com slash bets. Next up at UFC 277, we have Dante Mays taking on Hamdi Abdelwahab. And I'm getting so good at saying these names. I, I really, it's incredible. I could teach classes. Dante Mays is 9-4 overall, 3-2 in his last five, riding a two-fight win streak. Hamdi Abdel Wahab is 3-0 in his entire career, and he's stepping up on short notice. So not as much experience and no fight camp here. Dantel is a good boxer with heavy hands and okay cardio. He's got solid footwork, and he sets up his combinations well. He marches forward, and he throws everything with 100% effort. Everything from leg kicks to overhands are going out there full force. But now we know he can wrestle. He's coming off that TKO win over Josh Parisian where he had an incredible six takedowns and he landed 117 strikes to Josh's 24. 24 to 117. That's a beating. Hamdi Abdel Wahab is stepping up on short notice like the last three people we broke down and he's making his UFC debut. He is an Olympic wrestler for the Iranian Olympic team, but or, uh, not the Iranian Olympic team, the... Uh, Egyptian Olympic team, but he's actually based out of New York. 
He does his camps with Henzo Gracie's team. He's comfortable striking, but he's a bit slow with it, and it is telegraphed. He does have real power in his overhand right, and he uses that to set up takedowns. He has gotten a little too used to striking, and I do worry that he's going to try to strike with Dante, which would not be a very wise decision. Dante Mays went from fighting Justin Taffa, who's a heavy-handed striker, to fighting Hamdi, who's an Olympic wrestler. I think that's a miserable changeup in styles, right? You're going from fighting somebody who you know is going to stand in front of you to somebody who you are positive cannot wrestle if they choose to. Hamdi is a slight underdog. The line is he's actually increasing. I thought it was going to go the other way, but he's becoming a, a slightly larger underdog as the uh, week goes on. And on its surface, you have striker versus Olympic wrestler. And normally, you'd think the, the wrestler just steamrolls. This fight is a little different, though, because Hamdi does trade, and he doesn't immediately grapple. The more time he spends striking, the more danger he's going to be putting himself in. But I honestly don't think we need to overcomplicate this. Dantel has been taken down seven times in three UFC losses. And while we have not seen much of Hamdi's wrestling in MMA, I, I think he understands his assignment. He's on a good fight team with very good fighters, solid fight IQ, good game planning, I think Hamdi gets the upset. I think he comes in here, gets the takedown, and, and that's it. I, I think it's literally Olympic wrestler. He knows he's an Olympic wrestler. He knows he's fighting a heavy-handed guy. If he goes out there and strikes, that's just incredibly low fight IQ. What do you think, Jakey Bazalutz? Uh, yeah, they're, they're talking about in the chat already. But, yeah, look up Matthew Strickland, the last guy that Hamdi fought. He's actually fought him twice now, knocked him out. Uh, I think it's taken like 20 seconds to knock him out both times. The guy is just an absolute pure athlete. If he's knocking out Matthew Strickland, he's going to knock out Dante Mays. I mean, there's just no way if, ands, or buts about it, uh, which is a complete joke and complete sarcasm. But, yeah, Dante Mays, Mr. Indiana. He has the Indiana state flag tattooed on his stomach right there. You see you see the stars right there. That's the Indiana state flag. I've got the That's same the thing. That's the Indiana state flag? Excuse me, sir. I've got the a same thing on both and a torch? ass cheeks. On both ass cheeks, I've got the exact same tattoo. You have Mr. arrows Indiana. pointing in. Those aren't arrows. Right. Uh, it, it, <laughs> that was pretty good. That was pretty good. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think I think he's got the striking enough to get this. And I know Handy is a, the Olympic wrestler, yada yada yada. But until he uses it and really starts dominating people in the wrestling, I think he's just one of those big, roided up dudes that's just trying to knock people out. That's trying to swing crazy and be tired as shit. Forty five seconds into this fight, the experience and the striking of Dante Mays. He's been there, done that. Versus all the big people, not like all the, but literally big people. I mean, the guy's <laughs> a big guy himself. So uh, yeah, he's six he six. Uh, yeah, sorry, the graphic's wrong. He's 6'6". Six, six. Very big man. Right. There's, uh, there's nothing he has not seen before. Um, so I'm going downtown Mays all the way. I couldn't believe seeing the level of competition and the unknowns for Hamdi that he was actually even close to being. I thought this was going to be like a plus 300, plus 400. So I think it's probably good value even in, in betting Mays. But I'm never going to bet. I'm never betting heavyweight fights ever. So don't bet heavyweight <laughs> fights because you never know what's going to happen. But uh, I'm going downtown Mays, Mr. Indiana. Listen, I, I get it. I get it. And you know what? I was very high on Hamdi. When I first started doing the breakdown, I'm like an Olympic wrestler. Tato May's not that good. He's 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 a he's good fighter, but he's not like you know, an Olympic wrestler that means something. And maybe it doesn't mean anything to the rest of you guys, but that means at one point in time, which was only a few years ago, he was one of the best wrestlers on planet Earth. And Dante Mays gets well, doesn't it just out mean wrestling. that he was 
doesn't it just mean he was one of the best wrestlers in his nation? Which who correct? But okay, so some of the best in in each. Some of the best wrestlers. There's a lot of athletes that go to the Olympics that aren't very good athletes. I'll tell you that. Okay, you need to settle down. Okay. Well, just saying, there's a lot of athletes that go to Olympics just because their country isn't good at something, but they're the best at it. So. Well, he is actually a legitimately good wrestler, and and the bigger point here is that. Dante Mays gets taken down, I mentioned, seven times in his three UFC losses. So in the UFC, the way you beat Dante Mays, you take him down. Three people have done it. They took him down seven times. I think Hamdi can do it. Yeah, but what, he's what, on the Henzo he Gracie do? fight he team. Have, he, it's not like he's going to like submit Dante Mays. You think he's just going to start raining elbows yes. and stuff? I yes. mean, just because you get him down doesn't mean you can hold him yes. down. doesn't mean that you can finish the fight. And if he doesn't finish the fight, he, I mean, that dude's got a gas, dude. That, just, that guy looks like a guy... That just is out of breath eating a cheeseburger. He's, I mean, a little harsh for a jacked Olympian, but okay. I'm just saying. You're going to spend the $8,500? I've seen those guys at the gym just huffing and puffing, walking up the stairs. You're going to spend the $8,500 on Dontel Mays? Uh, I, I, I'll never put heavyweights in my lineup. No, thank you. Okay. And also, Dontel Mays was ground and pounded out by Alan Croder. Okay? So don't tell me an Olympic wrestler is not going to elbow MMA sandwich. experience. Okay. Uh, Monkey Knife Eye Strike Line, 57 to 41. I'm not touching it. That's actually a lot of strikes because I agree. It is either Dante Mays touches Hamdi, Hamdi goes down, he's done, or Hamdi can get a takedown, rain down elbows, lay on top. You know, I'm not going to touch I'm not gonna touch the Monkey Knife Eye Strike Line. I think, I think Dante is going to throw the first one too, and Hamdi's going to be one of those guys that's like, what the hell was that? Like, hands up, like. Eyes closed, like doesn't know what the hell is going on. Well, then he's a perfect. Then Maze is a no. Maze is a perfect play for Monkey Knife Fight Knockout Kings. Go to weonpicks.com/slash/mkf. Sign up, make a deposit. They'll instantly match that deposit. But you can pick any three fighters on the entire card, any three, and if one of them wins by KO or TKO, you twenty five percent net profit. To win by KO TKO, you could two and a half times your money. So throw Dontel Mays in there. We got a couple of heavyweight fights in here. Throw Dontel Mays, double up the other heavyweight fight. You're good to go. We on picks.com slash MKF. You want 50 free bucks? We'll give it to you. All you need to do is go to wewantpicks.com slash bets. We have five different betting partners. Sign up with any one of them, and I'll send you 50 bucks as a thank you. Next up, at UFC 277, we have Chiseled Jaw Drew Dober taking on Rafael Alves. Drew Dober is 24-11 and 11 overall, 3-2 and two in his last five, and he's coming off that insane win against Terrence McKinney. Rafael Alves is 20-10 and 10 overall, 4-1 and one in his last five, and he's coming off the submission win over Mark DeCasey. Drew Dober is a fun take-one-to-give-one striker. He's got nice power, a very good chin, and a willingness to brawl. And if we just spend a minute and think about this guy's chin, first of all, like it's formed very well. The guy, the guy, he's a good-looking guy with a fantastic chin. Looks but like the, me, doesn't it? You guys are very similarly, very similarly positioned. Absolutely. Um, but what is more impressive is how functional that freaking thing is. Terrence McKinney blasted that guy blasted him and the fact that he was able to survive what he survived keep his wits about him and then win that fight 
It was absolutely insane. He might literally have the pound-for-pound pound best chin in all of MMA. He is technically sound, but that really doesn't stop him from getting wild. He's very durable, and unless your name is Islam, any fight with Drew Dober is going to be a tough fight. I wouldn't say that he has holes on the ground, but historically speaking, the way you beat him is you just take him down. Rafael Alves is the proud owner of the biggest weight miss in the history of UFC. That was at 145 pounds. The UFC forced him up to 155 pounds. His first fight, they punished him with a really bad matchup. But his last fight, he actually looked pretty good. And frankly, he's looked pretty good at 155 in general, and he should stay there. He's coming off that quick submission win over Mark Dacasey. And that was a fight where most people expected him to lose. Alves is very flashy with solid speed and power. He is a finisher, but if he doesn't finish the fight, we have seen him slow down and get into some trouble. He can finish you both standing or on the ground, but we have yet to see him get a takedown in the UFC. How could I not pick Drew Dober here? The dude has an incredible chin, dangerous hands, and although he can be taken down, Rafael Alves has yet to take anyone down in the UFC. I see Drew Dober doing what he does, get hit, and then hit you harder. I got a money line bet on Drew, and his chin's going to give out eventually. I just don't think it's in this fight. What do you think, Jakey boy? Yeah, this. I mean, that's the that's the tale of the story, and that's really all this fight comes down to is how the hell long is Drew Dober's chin going to keep holding up? And it, it holds up, but it doesn't hold up great, right? Because he gets dropped, and he gets dropped, and he gets dropped, and he does come back, and he does come back, and he does come back. I will say for this matchup, I, I did place already a does not go the distance. It's minus 180. I think that's one of the better values on the card because both these guys are, are, are finishers that, you know, Drew gets dropped. Rafael, as you mentioned, had his weight issues. He had his cardio issues. I did do the deep dive in Instagram, as I always do, and there is a lot of pictures, not of him training, not a lot of it. It's him on a treadmill. He is posting pictures of him just running and running and running on a treadmill. So I think that he's really trying to sure up. You know, who knows if that's going to hold up because some people just don't have cardio, right? No matter how hard they work, some people just don't have it. and and, And some people do have it. But they just go so hard, like in that first round, that they just absolutely blow their load. You see that with Rafael Fiziev sometimes. He just loves fighting so much. And Rafael, or Rafael Aves, is one of those guys that just loves fighting so much. He is just a little cannonball. And Drew Dober is the exact same way. I think that this could easily be the fight of the night. These guys are going to go after it. And it's really whoever's chin holds up. And I think it's the key to this is going to be the counter striking because both these guys are going to initiate exchanges on their own accord. But whoever's able to find that last punch in every single exchange is going to win this fight. And I, I'll be honest with you. I know that Drew Dober, he's, I'm, I'll, I'm never going to question the toughness of Drew Dober's, right? He is, he is game to throw down. He will get dropped. will keep coming back. You referenced the Terrence McKinney fight. But I just feel like against Rafael Alves, at some point that chin is going to give out enough. And Rafael Alves is, is a guy that will also go tit for tat in the striking, has just as much power in Drew Dober. And Drew Dober has a sneaky power in the way that he doesn't have to throw the big shots with power. You saw it against Brad Riddell. It was just really nice, tight shots that dropped Brad Riddell and had him hurt in that fight. So obviously, I, I, I don't want to say obviously Drew Dober's a play. Drew Dober is the play. He's shown his toughness. He showed his own power, and he has wrestling if he really wants to use it. I'm just going to bang on the fact that his chin is not going to hold up versus the cannonball of Rafael Alves. So I've been back and forth on this. Uh, I'm going to play the underdog here. I don't love it. I'm not going to be. It's definitely probably not. It's not going to be lock of the week or anything like that. But I'm going to play Alves on this and just and just assume that Drew Dober's chin is going to give out eventually. It's not the best bet, 
but that's my bet so far. But my bet for this is does not go the distance. And actually, <laughs> bet online kind of screwed me because they you made said the me word place bet it twice. eleven times in three yeah, seconds. I, yeah, I, in different contexts too. Yeah, <laughs> right. I'm, I'm a I'm a thor- I'm a thesaurus. Um, I, I placed this and it like wasn't placing, so I placed it again. So I placed it twice. So now I have three point two units on does not go the distance. I tried to play uh, you know, one point eight to win a unit back, but there it goes. Well, eight and eight is sixteen. I don't know where three point two came from, but okay. Eighteen. 18. Um, yeah. Oh, and look at this—a super chat from Joe Todoro coming off of his sixty thousand dollar win. Ten dollars from Joe Todoro says, "Join the family if you haven't. You won't regret it." And Joe is talking about. Thank you, Joe, very very much. And Joe's talking about premium membership. Go to WeWantPicks.com. Scroll to the top. Click become a member. All sorts of tools early bets and information that you don't get here that you will get there that'll hopefully help you win some money. True Dober, $9,000 in DraftKings. I've already got real life money bet on him. So I don't know if I'm going to put him in my DraftKings lineup. $9,000 is a lot. I recognize that Alves is very tough. I might do the $9,000. I'm really on the fence with True Dober at $9,000. I'm assuming you're not in that boat. What about the $7,200 on your man, Alves? Yeah, I'll have to see how my lineup stacks up. I haven't made it yet, but he's definitely a, uh, a live, live underdog in my mind. Because Drew Dobert, the reason he's tough, as I keep saying, you, you, you're called tough because you get hit. And he gets hit. Yes, correct. Completely good. That chin's going somewhere. I just don't know when. I just don't know when. Um, Monkey Night Fight, 80 or 58 to 36 total strikes per guy. I think it's a more and more. Even if there's a stoppage in this fight, both of them have proven that they will go at it, they will swing, and they'll go out there and fight. So I do think it's a more-more. What do you think? I think it's a less-less. I think it's a first-round slobber knocker. Slobber? Oh, that's right. Well, you put uh, your incorrect math worth of units on fight does not go the distance. So I don't necessarily think there is an early stoppage, which is why uh, I'm not a giant fan of the $9,000. But I like Drew to win. You like Alves to win, but you don't love that pick. I think Monkey Knife Fight is more and more. You think it's less less because it's a stoppage. You guys can make your own decisions of what to do here. Go to wewantpicks.com slash bets. Sign up with any one of our betting partners. Make a deposit, and we will send you 50, 50 schmackaroos. Wewantpicks.com slash bets. Next up at UFC 2. 77. We have Alex Morono taking on Matt Semmelsberger. Alex Morono is 21 and 7 overall. 4 and 1 in his last five, riding a three-fight win streak. Matt Semmelsberger's 10 and 3 overall. 4 and 1 in his last five, riding a couple fight win streak, but it's really a sketchy, sketchy win. I'm still very bitter. Very bitter with that win over AJ Fletcher. We'll talk about that in a minute. Alex Morono is very well-rounded. He has nice, clean striking. He's got solid grappling. His body always seems to be in the right place at the right time. And he really is coming into his own. The knock on him, at least for me, used to be that he was inconsistent. But he's got seven wins in his last nine fights. He's really leveled off, and he's proving to be a legit threat. He has fantastic striking differential of five and a half to four, and he's going to need that volume in this fight. Matt Semmelsberger is an aggressive striker who marches forward with solid leg kicks and body work. He's got some power. I mean, he's been putting people away, but he gets a lot of his finishes just with grit and pressure. 
the marching forward can wilt some opponents who really don't like that pressure, but it can also get him in trouble at times. He's coming off that very close win over A.J. Fletcher, where it was clear that he had power, but there were holes in his defensive wrestling. He was taken down a few times, and he only won that fight because of a late third-round takedown that sort of clinched it, but he landed fewer strikes, he got fewer takedowns, he got less control time, and he scored less points or fewer points than A.J. Fletcher did in that fight. I am still bitter about that. I thought A.J. Fletcher won, but I'm surprised to see Semmelsberger as... I mean, he was a two-to-one favorite the other day. The line is actually starting to tighten here. But I was surprised to see that it was even that wide. Like, I totally understand he's got power. But the only time we saw Alex Morono in trouble because of power was against Chaos Williams two and a half years ago. Morono has higher output, a better striking differential, slightly better takedown defense. And I like Morono as an underdog here. I have always said that when Alex Morono shows up, he can beat almost everyone, and honestly, he's been showing up the last couple of years. So Alex Morono's the pick. I don't know what I'm going to do with a bet here. I mean, it's decent money at plus 140, but I like Alex Morono to get it done. What do you think, Jakey Boy? Yeah, I think this honestly comes down to what, as you mentioned, what type of Alex Morano shows up because Alex Morano is a, a high-level grappler, like a high-level grappler that has fully admitted, I just don't like to grapple. Like, when I fight, I just don't like to grapple. He literally has said, like, I just, I think it's boring. I just don't like to do it. If he were to grapple in this matchup, he can absolutely dominate Matt Samuelsberg. As you mentioned, you saw him getting taken down in his last fight. When he's flat on his back, he looks like he is clueless. Like, he has no idea. And Alex Morano is able to get on top of him. I think the path to victory is very, very easy. Whether he's able to get those takedowns, because he's not a wrestler, right? He's, a, he's one of those pure, just high-level jiu-jitsu guys. But I think that he—that's the. I think he should try at least, but I don't think he will. He's—he's he's admitted that he just does not like to wrestle, does not like to grapple. With that said, I did place a a most takedowns bet because I can. I don't see Matt Semmelsberger trying to take Morano down because I think that's bad bad news. Morano can win scrambles, and as I mentioned, if he ends up on top, he's a high level guy. So I placed one of those most takedowns bets. We mentioned that last week. If there's no takedowns, we figured out it is a push. You just get your money back. Um, uh, Morano right now is a plus 170 for most takedowns in the matchup. So I think if anyone is taking anyone down, it's probably going to be Morano in this matchup. I don't think he is, but I played that at plus 170. With that being said, Semmelsberger is the better striker in this matchup. Morono, although he is a decent striker, he kind of looks like, and I'm, I'm not saying this to be mean because obviously he can't hold his own in the striking, but he looks like Ronda Rousey when he strikes. He's got the hands like super high, and he's always on his toes, bouncing around. I think if you're Semmelsberger in this matchup, you take advantage of that high guard, you work the body early, so that way, if you do end up getting taken down, Morono's a little bit gassed in those later rounds where you can scramble, get back to your feet. I think you work the body early, open up, drop those hands, then the power shots will be their late second, third round. Summelsberger should be the much better striker in this matchup, and Morono has, has said time and time again he doesn't like to grapple. So I got to go with Semmelsberger in a mostly strike up ma striking matchup. But if also Morono figures out, and he's a super smart guy, so it's not like he's stupid. He knows that he has the grappling advantage <laughs> in most matchups. So if he all of a sudden figures out, you know, let me extend my career. Let's get on a little winning streak here. Let me start grappling people. You know, that's the easy, easy pat to victory. I think he can take him down and sub him in the first round if he wanted to, but the guy likes to strike. And Semmelsberger's a better striker, so I'm going to go with Semmelsberger. Yeah, you mentioned the takedown bet. So anybody who didn't tune in last week, bet online, one of our five partners. Go to wewantpicks.com slash bets. Click on the bet online link. If you sign up, make a deposit, I'll send you 50 bucks. Just literally that easy. They started offering bets 
for takedown lines and significant strike lines. But all you have to do, they just say, Alex Morono, Matt Semmelsberger, who will get more? And if Alex Morono gets more and that's who you bet on, you'll get paid. If Matt Semmelsberger gets more and that's who you bet on, you'll get paid. If there are no takedowns or they both get two, they both get one, it's a push. You get your money back. We did it last week with some high odds, right? Minus 400. I did it in the main event. Minus 400. I did it, uh, I think, Jack Hermanson. No takedowns, so I got my money back. Did it with Makayev. Minus 400. Got paid. But those they are like guarantees. Yeah, they started catching on. Now some of them are minus a thousand, minus six hundred. So they're starting to uh, catch on. But really, it should be safe money for uh, for a lot of fights. For a lot of fights, it is safe money because it is literally just who will get more, not how many, not will they win the fight, who will get more. So I I, uh, I love it. I love those bets. I love that they added same exact logic with significant strikes. I hate significant strikes, but I do have one of those bets. We'll talk about it when we get to that fight. But again, if you want to play those. They're very interesting, and they're much easier than actually picking a winner half the time. Just go to weonpicks.com slash bets. We have five partners. Bet Online offers that now. Jump in, make a deposit. We'll send you 50 bingabongs. DraftKings, $7,600 to 86 Listen, you need underdogs in your DraftKings lineup. You can't afford all favorites. I think Morono might be a solid underdog at 7600 bucks. What do you think? Nope. Okay, this guy. Monkey Knife Fight Strike Line, not touching it. 79 to 68. The only reason I'm not touching it is because, like you said, if Morono grapples, Matt's not going to get to the 68. And Matt Semmelsberger has proven to have some power, so Morono might not get to the 79. So I'm not going to touch the Monkey Knife Fight Strike Line. We're just going to go ahead and leave that one alone. What is your dog doing? Oh, that was the automatic feeder. All right. Eating, she's eating. That's actually her eating from the other room. She really gets after it. Really gets after it. <laughs> All right. Next up, at UFC 277, we have the main card opener. We got Magomed Ankalaev taking on Anthony Smith. Magomed Ankalaev is 17-1 overall, 5-0 in his last five, and he's coming off a very uneventful win over Tiago Santos. Anthony Smith is 36-16 overall, 3-2 in his last five, riding a three-fight win streak and coming off the first-round submission over Ryan Spann. Magomed Ankalaev is a long kickboxer who uses range well and has devastating kicks. He'll throw kicks right up the middle, almost like what Anderson Silva did when he knocked out Vitor Belfort. He's got power in both of his hands and his feet. He's very versatile. If he gets in trouble striking, he does have a wrestling backup plan, and he averages a little more than one takedown per fight. He took down Tiago Santos in that last fight, Vulcan Ozdemir before that, and Nikita Krylov three times in the fight before that. He's got one single loss, and that was a literal last-second submission to Paul Craig in his UFC debut. Literally, there was one second left in the entire fight, not just the round, the whole fight. And he was going to win, and then tap, tap. One more second, that's a win and not a loss. Anthony Smith has found himself on a nice three-fight win streak after a two-fight skid in 2020. He's a pretty well-rounded striker with fantastic hands, and his own solid kicks. We know he's very good at jiu-jitsu with submission wins over Ryan Spann, Devin Clark, and even Alexander Gustafson when Alexander Gustafson was very good. He doesn't have much to offer in the wrestling department, though. He's got a low 48% takedown accuracy. He is incredibly tough, arguably too tough for his own good. We saw Glover literally knock the teeth out of his face, and he just picked him up, handed him to the referee, and just continued on taking his beating. 
Ankalaev was the biggest favorite on the card before they dropped the Michael Morales line, but he's a very big favorite on this card, and I totally understand why. It's striker versus striker, and on the service, Ankalaev is the much more technical and more dangerous striker. If we move past the striking, we go to the grappling, Ankalaev's the better wrestler as well with seven takedowns in the UFC and an 85% takedown defense. Anthony Smith is probably the better pure BJJ guy, but unless he manages to rock Ankalaev first, like he did with Ryan Spann, I don't see him getting a submission. So Ankalaev is the clear pick and I think a very safe parlay piece. What do you think, Jekka Lutz? Yeah, it should be pretty safe. I think it's mostly a kickboxing match. And as you mentioned, the toughness of, of, of Anthony Smith is really going to be his asset in this fight because he is, uh, between the two of the uh, between the two of them, he is the one that has faced adversity and come back, right? He, I mean, he got the shit beat out of him, I think, in back-to-back <laughs> fights. And now has won three fights in a row. And even in that Ryan Spann fight, you know, had some adversity. If you're Anthony Smith in this matchup, obviously you just can't stand in front of the guy, which uh, uh, unfortunately is something that Anthony Smith tends to do at times is just kind of stand and, and kind of wait because uncle Ive is a guy that just kind of wants to stalk you and wants to counter. He's not a fur. He's not a go first, you know, throw wild punches type of guy. He will stalk you and wait for you to do your thing. And then he will counter beautifully. If you're right, if you're Anthony Smith in, in this matchup, you have to kind of do the Jing Lang approach where you just have to keep fainting and do wild shit. Cause Jing Lang is one of those guys just count, just pumping stuff out there, pumping stuff out there, moving, moving, moving. And you got to try and you you got to try and draw the big shots out of Uncle Live before you throw your shots because if you if he's waiting for your counters he's going to counter beautifully you got to throw the feints wait for him and try to bait him into that one shot because you probably want to get one opportunity you know and I'm not going to do the M M&M and M thing but I was, I, when it. you said that I heard like dun, 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 you you probably want to get one shot and you got to you got to <laughs> draw that. You, you gotta have that feint ready, and when he throws, you gotta sit on a punch, man. You cannot. You're not gonna beat him over three rounds in a kickboxing match. You gotta take a chance in this. You gotta feint, 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 and the second that he was overextended, you gotta throw and you gotta throw hard. And he did that perfectly against Ryan Span. He got Ryan Span to overcommit on that one shot, and he had a step back counter that was beautiful. He stepped back off the cage and hit Ryan Span with that left counter that was beautiful. If he can find that same thing versus Ankalaev. He could have some success, but it's Uncle Live, man. He's he's so technical that I, I just don't see any path to victory for Anthony Smith except for one that I outlined, and I don't see it happening. But Anthony Smith is tough they come, man. So if something wild happens here, I wouldn't be surprised. He seems like he's on a rise, three-fight winning streak. I'm going to be rooting for him 100%. I'm a big Lionheart dude. I'm a big Anthony Smith guy. I picked him against John Jones. The guy should have taken that. I mean, he should have taken, taken that win. That was an illegal knee, and hats off to him, I guess for not taking the belt, but should have taken that belt, man. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm get not a big money. fan. You not, gotta get I mean, money. he probably should have because then you would have set him up for a rematch. You would have gotten paid. You got to get your money, man. Nobody would have respected Nobody cares at this that. point. I mean, but nobody cares at this and point. They Everyone's remember. like, oh, yeah, remember. I don't a former, former light heavyweight champion. People remember. I mean, look anyway. at Aljo. Aljo did it, and he's on top of the world. Yeah, but that was very, very different. Um... Yeah, that was like a very bad knee. And he got the guy got massacred for two years before he finally earned it legitimately. Anyway, Ankalaev, $9,400 in DraftKings. I'm probably going to do that. I don't know how what my lineup's going to look like if I have Ankalaev and Michael Morales, but I think uh, either one of those guys, very solid plays in DraftKings. You agree? Yeah, he's probably a good play. Um, I said he's already a safe parlay piece. I've got a bunch of parlays going. I've got those... 
on premium membership. Go to weonpicks.com, scroll to the top, click become a member. You'll see those parlays. And I had that early in the week uh, before some of these lines move. So stay stay in touch with the early bets because lines do move. Monkey Knife Eye Strike Line, 88 to 51. What do you think about that? Right when you took a drink, what do you think about that? Yeah, I don't I don't know if I love the 88 for Uncle Live because he's um, not a high-volume guy. Um, no. He's just kind of plot forward. As I said, it's more of a counter puncher. So it's probably a less... Less, maybe? I don't know. I think it's a less 51's more. 51's a little low. Yeah, it's, yeah 51 is low. Much. And Anthony Smith likes leg kicks. I think it is a less more type fight. Uh, if you want to check that out, weonpicks.com slash MKF. You sign up, you make a deposit. They'll instantly match that deposit. And if you go to weonpicks.com slash bets, sign up with any one of our betting partners, make a deposit with them, I will send you $50 as a thank you. And speaking of thank you, prominent talent with the $5 Super Chat, just says, thanks, guys. Well, we appreciate you. Thank you very much. And you know what? You're a very good supporter, not just because of the Super Chat. I also, I see, I notice when we post all the pictures to Instagram, you like every single one of them down the list. It's the little things like that, guys. Thank you Always so much. Always commenting on the Town. videos. Yeah, I'm a, very I'm a big fan of him. He's been yeah, on the wall of shame a couple of times, but still a fan. Yeah, but he's not like a prick. Just making no, bad good, underdog yeah. picks. Well, there's some pricks in here. But anyway, thank you very much. Prominent talent, it is much appreciated. Next up at UFC 277, we have Alexandre Pantoja taking on Alex Perez. Alexandre Pantoja is 24 and 5 overall, 3 and 2 in his last five, coming off the submission win over Brandon Royval. Alex Perez is 24 and 6 overall, 3 and 2 in his last five, and he's coming back after more than a year away from the cage. Alexandre Pantoja is a very fun fighter because he just loves walking forward and going to work. He's got good power and he gives damage, but he's also a fantastic grappler with good control and ground and pound. His striking is pretty formulaic, meaning it's ones and twos and he doesn't take too many risks, but it is effective. And when combined with his power and his pressure, he can do some real damage. He's incredibly durable and the only people who have really been able to beat him did it with wrestling and control. Alex Perez, a very good striker with fantastic low kicks and solid wrestling. His low kicks are so devastating that he stopped Juicy A. Formiga with them in his last win. He comes in with solid combinations and he finished those exchanges with leg kicks and then he circles out. He averages three takedowns per fight and he has a very impressive 87% takedown defense. He's coming back after two years away and six canceled fights. Four of those were against Matt Schnell. So that's the uh, Khabib Tony effect going on there and this has potential to be fight of the night both of these guys are very well-rounded and willing to slug it out both of their records are loaded with knockouts and submissions Alex Perez's takedown defense is what is making this pick so hard because I think Perez will have success on his feet which could drive Pantoja to grapple if he can get it to the ground I think Pantoja is the much better grappler but Alex Perez has only been taken down one time ever in the UFC and that was by Joseph Benavidez four years ago. So I actually think I'm going to go the other way. I think I'm going to go with Alex Perez here in his return to the cage. But that layoff definitely worries the hell out of me. The bet will probably be a plus three and a half on Perez. Maybe a money line if the odds move a little bit. But uh, I think Alex Perez can win one round in this fight and not get stopped. And if that's the case, the plus three and a half bet is the way to go. And you're only going to get that if you go to bet online. So go to weonpicks.com slash bets. Click on bet online, make a deposit. We'll send you 50 bucks. You made a face. You don't think Alex Perez can win a single round in this matchup? 
Uh, it's minus 230. I definitely think he can. I was just looking. It's minus 230, so the odds makers are on to you a little bit. Um, yeah, I, I, this matchup, I think, really kind of just depends on Pantoja's gas tank. Because I know that he got that finish versus Brandon Royval, but at the end of that first round, he was dying. And he caught his breath a little bit in between rounds, but if he was not able to get that finish the way he did against Brandon Royval, he was in big trouble in that fight. But the grappling was very, very impressive because Brandon Royval is one of those guys that's like impossible to hold on to. Like you can get him down. Everyone pretty much can take Brandon Royval down, but he does all those, all the rolls. He does every, he does everything to try and get back to his feet that he can. He's one of those guys that does not stay on his back. And he was rolling and rolling and rolling. And Bentosha was just body locked him and just stayed on him the entire time, which was very, very impressive. But his gas tank did pay, pay the price for that. I don't think his gas tank is a, is a huge issue. You saw that in the Manel cop fight. He seemed fine in that fight for three rounds, but there wasn't as much wrestling. So if he goes for takedowns early against Perez, who has pretty good wrestling and grappling in his own right, and isn't able to get those, you know, you could see some 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 situation where Perez is having some good success. I think the longer this fight goes, it's going to favor Perez, not only because of the cardio of Pantoja, but because of the layoff. He's able to find his timing a little bit better as the fight goes on. The issue is Pantoja is one of those guys that's in your face immediately. And with the layoff, not able to get your timing, I think Pantoja is going to be a real issue in the first round for Perez. But if the fight goes on, I even have a listen in my notes. I put it on Twitter that I would not be surprised to see Perez get a late finish in this matchup. He's able to withstand the grappling early. Pantoja kind of blows his load early. Perez finds his timing, finds that striking late in the third round. You could see a, uh, a Perez finish as well. So I, I don't hate that play. Uh, only has to win the round. It's minus 230. I don't even hate a money line. If somebody wants to chase a money line for this, I don't hate that as well. My pick is going to be Pantoja because I think he's he, he obviously he's been more active. I've seen his aggressiveness in fights, his grappling abilities, and he seems tough as shit as well. So my pick is Pantoja, but you know I went back and forth on this as well. So I don't, I don't hate the uh, Perez play on this. Yeah, I mean... Um... You know, definitely a close fight. That's why I'm, I'm more confident in the plus three and a half than I am in a money line. And I get it. The odds are not spectacular at minus 230. But all that is saying, I'm not betting on Alex Perez to win. That's minus 230 odds to say Alex Perez can win one round and not get finished. That's all that says. And I think that's a solid price point for that. So, you know, even if Alex Perez has a great first round and then just kind of lays there, does nothing the next two. Okay. Or the other way around. Gets blown out the first round. And then the next two rounds starts to put it together. Gets, gets beat the first two rounds. And then the third round puts it together because Pantoja gasses. All of those circumstances, the bet hits. As long as one earth, all three judges see Perez winning one single round. And I, like I said, I think that can happen. So when you look at those odds, it does seem, ah, minus two something. It does seem like, ah, that's a big number. But that's not for Perez to win. That's just for him to win one round. So, so if you think is, who was your pick in this? Perez. My pick is Perez. Okay. But I'm not I'm I'm very confident he can win one round. I'm less confident he can win the entire fight. Is I my point. I, I think that point. if this gets out of the first round, he easily wins one of the next two. And he could yeah. win the first as well, but I think he easily wins one of the next two. Yeah, and I can see him not getting finished. And listen, those plus three and a half bets, I love them. Any fight where you have a decent sized underdog and you think it's at least at least a 29-28, you're good. That's a great bet. So I think this is one of those circumstances. 8700 bucks to 7500 bucks. Again, you need underdogs in your DraftKings lineup. It's the only way to do it. So $7,500, he may be one of those underdogs that I have in my lineup. Do you trust? You don't like him at 7500 bucks. I think Pan I'm a little bit higher on Pantoja than you are. 
I and guess I, so. I, I, just to make it clear in the chat, I, I, I pick Pantoja. Yeah, it was clear when you fucking said it. Well, I just want to make sure. Okay. Because I was pre- uh, I was talking about how he could have a lot of success, so I just want to come back, circle around. My pick is Pantoja, clearly. Okay, Monkey Knife Fight Strike Line, 68 to 58. I think it's a more and more. I, th- I think they go at it. I don't see a finish here. I think these guys go at it. I think it's kind of wild, kind of sloppy, kind of fun. If Pantoja slows down, Perez could find his timing late. He is, you know, coming off a long layoff. So I think it's sloppy, fun, and I think these guys go at it. I like them more and more at the Monkey Knife Fight Line. What do you think? Oh, boy. Probably more and more. All right. Probably well, check that. Check that out at wewantpicks.com slash MKF, and they will instantly match your deposit. You give them 50 bucks, they'll give you 50. You give them 100, they'll give you 100. Take the free money, play some of these lines, and go at it. Wewantpicks.com slash MKF. Next up at UFC 277, we have Derek Lewis taking on Sergey Pavlovic. Derek Lewis is 26 and 9 overall, 3 and 2 in his last five, coming off the loss to tie to Ivasa. Sergey Pavlovic is 15 and 1 overall, 4 and 1 in his last five, coming off an incredible first round win in his return to the cage. And we all know Derek Lewis by now. He has incredible power, but very low output. He can be taken down, but literally just stands right back up. His chin is solid, but he is coming off that knockout loss to Tai Tuivasa. The issue with Derek Lewis is absolutely his volume. He doesn't pressure anyone. He slowly stalks and then just throws heavy. It's devastating when he lands, and he is accurate enough that he doesn't need to throw 100 punches to land a few big ones, right? Like He's got solid accuracy for a heavyweight with few punches. And that's the only thing that's keeping him alive in these fights because there are literally fights where this dude throws 10 strikes in two rounds. It's incredible how low his volume is. Sergey Pavlovic came back after two years away and he got a first round knockout over Shamil. MMA math is nonsense, but it took Derek Lewis four rounds to do that exact same thing. Sergey's a fantastic striker. He's mostly a boxer, but he's got great power in his hands and incredible speed for a heavyweight. His striking volume is impressive, and he trusts his chin enough to stand in the pocket and bomb away. Trusting his chin can be a problem in this matchup, but his speed might keep him one step ahead. This is absolutely a heavyweight banger. And I've pitched it a bunch of times, but if you haven't signed up for Monkey Knife Fight, this is the fight to sign up for. Don't even worry about the strike line. Monkey Knife Fight has a prop game called Knockout Kings. You can pick any three fighters on the card, if one of them wins by knockout, you get paid. One of these guys is going to knock each other. Like, th- this fight ends by knockout. It has to. It has to. This, you want to take Dante Mays in the other heavyweight fight? You want to take Michael Morales? It's literally free money. It's literally free money. Go to wewantpicks.com slash MKF. Sign up. Make as big of a deposit as you can afford up to 100 bucks. They will match it. Take that. Throw it on the Knockout Kings prop game. Put both of these guys in there and add a third. And I can almost guarantee you, it's it's fighting, so you never know, but I can almost guarantee you, you'll get paid. Anyway, pitch aside, I think Sergey wins this fight. Derek Lewis is and always will be live for a knockout, but at this point in his career, he's all hammer. He's no nail. The last two opponents that brought the fight to him, the last two people that fought Derek Lewis and, and were not worried about getting knocked out, wilted him. They wilted him. 
So I like Sergey to come forward, throw heavy, not care about the power, and just get it done. Obviously, it is a heavyweight fight. So I'm not going to bet a money line or anything like that. I do think Sergey wins. I already mentioned Monkey Knife Fight. I got another awesome way to make some money here, but I will mention that after Jacob's breakdown. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I almost want to pick Derek Lewis here just because he picked Sergey. But uh, listen, I think this is the beginning of the end. Uh, as you mentioned, the, it's, it's it's about the fear factor with Derek Lewis. And for a long for a long time, there was everyone was scared to death to fight this guy because of the power that he possessed. He's 37 years old now. He's not going to get any faster. He's going to keep slowing down. Those overhand rides are going to get slower and slower. Obviously, he's always going to have the power. The power will always be there. He's always going to be a threat, back against the cage, waiting for you to engage with him. And unfortunately, Sergey is a guy that will brawl at times. Sergey is a good enough striker and has a snappy enough jab. He could stand in front of Derek Lewis and just jab him for 15 straight minutes, and Derek Lewis is going to throw those sloppy overhand rights, and he can just step out of the way, see them coming. Unfortunately, that's probably not what Sergey is going to do. Sergey is probably going to try and knock this guy out as well. Can he do it? It's a heavyweight fight. Flip a coin. We'll see what happens. My pick's going to be Sergey because I think Derek Lewis is slowing down, and those uh, overhand rights are getting a little bit more and more telegraphed. Um, so my pick is Sergey. Maybe he wrestles. Who knows? But... You know, it's it's a heavyweight fight with big boys that throw big power. So flip a coin and then have some fun with it, I guess. I think the best way to make money, first of all, I love Sergey at $8,200 in DraftKings. You like Derek Lewis, throw him in there. I mean, this fight will end by stoppage. And I love that DraftKings just priced him evenly because pick your side and you'll do well in DraftKings. Same with bets. I'm not going to bet a heavyweight fight money line, but the bet that I love for this fight, we mentioned it earlier, bet online has now offered who lands more significant strike prop bets. That's it. It doesn't care how many. It could be one to zero. Who lands more significant strikes? And if you pick the right guy, you'll get paid. I already did Sergey Pavlovic. I got to check the odds. Oh, it's my, I have it right here. It's minus 150. Sergey Pavlovic is only, my, put your fucking hand down, is only minus 150 to land more significant strikes. Even if Derek Lewis knocks Sergey's head off of his body, Sergey Pavlovic will land more significant strikes. In almost every single one of Derek Lewis's wins, he landed fewer significant strikes. I think Sergey lands more, win or lose, you'll get paid. Minus 150, we were doing takedown lines at minus 400 last week. Go to wewantpicks.com slash bets. We have five partners. Bet Online is the only online sportsbook on planet Earth that is willing to offer anything like that. I love it here. What the hell? Oh, sign up, make a deposit. I'll send you 50 bucks. What the hell was your hand raised for? Uh, I agree with that. And uh, I don't know if this is, it says most takedowns landed is plus 160 for Sergey. Is that a typo or? <laughs> Uh, you know what? That's free money too because zero takedowns from either guy is a push. Derek Lewis Plus isn't shooting any take. Derek yeah, Lewis isn't going to shoot any takedowns. Well, he does some weird stuff sometimes, but yeah, I would think that that's. It's. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's free money. It's risk-free money because you might just get it back. Okay. Well, those are the new interesting prop bets that Bet Online has added, guys. I love it. I already have the significant strike one going, and, and you know, hopefully I'm not going to eat my words, but conventional math, go through all of Derek Lewis's stats. He lands fewer significant strikes than his opponents, even when he knocks them clean out. 
How could I not go with Sergey at minus 150 there? Any feedback before we move on, Jakey boy? No, thank you. Okay. Always insightful, Jacob. Let's move on. Next up at UFC 277, we have the co-main event of the evening, and it's a rematch. We got Brandon Moreno taking on Kai Kara France. Brandon Moreno's 19-6 overall, 3-1-1 one, one in his last five, coming off a title loss in a trilogy with Figueredo. Kai Kara France is 24-9 overall, 4-1 in his last five, riding a three-fight win streak. This is a rematch. It is for the interim title, which I'm pretty sure is nonsense. They're just treating Figgy like they're just putting him out to pasture for some reason because it's not even that long of a layoff. Like, didn't he say he'll be ready by fall? Like, it's not even like, you know. Anyway, very interesting that this is even for an interim title at all. But anyway, it's a rematch. Brandon Moreno won the first fight. It was a unanimous 29-28 decision, but it was a very competitive fight. Brandon Moreno, is, he's great. He's very tough. He's got a great chin. He puts on a nonstop pace. He averages almost two takedowns per fight. And he's got a positive striking differential. His biggest asset is definitely his pace and his will to win. He will continue to come forward and stay busy regardless of what's happening. His stoppage win over Figgy to win the belt is one of the best performances we have seen in this division. But his last outing against Figgy was just, he just did not look good at all. Kai Car France is a very good boxer with a ton of power and volume. He's technically sound and he works really well inside and outside of the pocket. He has a really nice striking differential of 5 to 4 and very solid takedown defense at 86%. He's coming off that fantastic win over Askar Askarov where he landed or sorry, he defended 12 takedowns and he doubled the strikes. This is obviously a rematch and yes, Moreno won that first fight, but it was a very competitive fight. And it, the only thing that separated these two was nine total strikes as far as the stats were concerned. Nine strikes were the difference between Brandon Moreno and Kai Car France. But instead of focusing on what happened in that last fight, let's look at what's happened since their fight. Both of them have had success. And I would argue that Kai Car has had the better run. And I know that sounds ridiculous considering Brandon Moreno literally became the champion of this weight class and he looked amazing in that fight. But Brandon Moreno has only fought one guy in two years, and in his last fight, he looked absolutely terrible. Kai Carr, on the other hand, is on a three-fight run with two performances of the fight, two performance of the night bonuses, and he's coming off that fantastic win over Askar, who took Moreno to a draw. And I get it, MMA math is nonsense, but from where I'm sitting, two to one odds for Moreno are kind of wild. Their first fight was close. And while they both have gotten better since then, it really just feels like Kaikar France has evolved much more. He's got the better striking differential, the better takedown defense, and I think that's going to be the difference. I think he's a step ahead of Moreno the entire fight striking-wise, and his takedown defense will be good enough to keep it on his feet. And if he does get taken down, I don't think he gets submitted. I got a money line bet on Kaikar France. I have a feeling this line is probably going to move. So I, I might... Also, jump on that with a plus three and a half just to protect myself if he loses another 29-28. What do you think, Jacob Heimer-Schmidt? Yeah, I put two units on Kai Kara France as well the other day at plus 165. He's at plus 180 now, so they're moving, but they're moving in a different direction than I would have thought. I, I don't want to hear about the first fight. Everyone talks about, oh, the first fight, the first fight. Both these guys are completely different fighters than the first fight. 
throw the first fight out. It, it doesn't matter, right? I see this as quite simply, and first of all, Moreno lost to Figgy twice, right? The first fight he lost, yes. but there was a point deduction, so he it was a draw. But he, he lost both. He lost two fights to Figgy. Obviously, he finished them in the in the second fight, where apparently Figgy had an awful weight cut. Blah blah blah. Listen, I love both these dudes. Brandon Moreno is like the nicest dude in the entire world. Great family dude. Represented Mexico. Viva Mexico. I love my Mexicans. Uh, Kaikar France, also a very good dude as well. Has is, is, is starting to peak at the perfect time in his career. This simply comes down to Kaikar France is a better striker. You, there's no argument made about who is the better striker in this match. A complete overall striker. Kaikar France is a better striker. Brandon Moreno gets hit, man. People call him tough. I keep saying it because he gets hit. Figgy was hitting him with big shots. His chin's holding up to this point, but he, had, you know, he he does get hit. Brandon Moreno is not going to finish Kaikar France on the ground unless he's like hurt or something weird happens. He's not going to just take him down and, and submit him. You saw Rogerio Bentorum get the back of Kaikar France early. Was not able to submit him. Kaikar France was is 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 no panic. If you're on his back in a body triangle, he he, do, he doesn't panic. He just gets out of the round, gets out of that situation, moves to the same. He moves to the second round, the next round, and it's on the feet. And then he starts doing well. You saw that against Askar as well. Askar got his back, no panic, got out of the situation, controlled the striking. I think it's simply as that. Kaikar France is a better striker. Brandon Moreno cannot take if he does take him down. He's not gonna be able to finish him in the jujitsu. And I'll take the better striker in the matchup. So I, I was surprised that the odds were as wide as they are as well. Obviously, they're getting even more wide. So I thought I was getting a better value as well so when I placed a 165. Um, it's plus 180 now. I think that's incredible value for the better striker in what's probably going to be a mostly striking matchup um, in this fight. So I'll take the better striker 10 out of 10 times. I, I, that's my new thing with lock of the week. It's paying off. I'll take the better striker in this matchup, Kaikar France, to get it done. Yeah, I completely agree, obviously. And frankly, I've already got the money line bet on Kai Kara. If these if these odds keep moved, the plus three and a half is perfect. Plus three and a half. Uh, or it's actually gonna be five and a half because it's a title fight. Um but fine, plus five and a half. Kai Kara's just minus gotta win. Minus one fifty. Okay. It's minus money instead of the plus money, but don't get finished. Win what, one and three quarters of a round, basically, whatever the hell. Right. And uh and then you'll get paid. So there's a bunch of options to make money here. Even if you think Brandon Moreno wins, there's no way you think Brandon Moreno wins all five rounds, right? You realize he's got to give up a couple of rounds, the striking to Kaikara France. I mean, Askar, Askarov, Kaikara France stuffed 12 takedowns, stuffed 12 of them. And he's a better wrestler than Brandon Moreno is. So even if you like Brandon Moreno, I think there's a very valid argument to make that a solid bet would be plus five and a half points on Kai Car France. You're basically buying points on the judges' scorecard. All he has to do is win basically two rounds, two out of three. It's not even a full two. It's close enough. Go to wewantpicks.com slash bets. The one partner we have that offers the buy points on a scorecard bet is Bet Online. If you want to jump in and, and trail that, go for it. Sign up, make a deposit. I'll send you 50 bucks. You raise your hand where you need. Uh, I think the thing that's going to be really telling about this fight is how soon does Brandon Moreno take that first shot? Because if he is instantly shooting, that means he knows that he's not the better striker in this matchup. So if he's instantly shooting, I think that's bad news if you're a Brandon Moreno fan. Obviously, he might be able to get the takedown early and control. Maybe he's able to control three rounds out of his wrestling um, and not get the finish, but you know, win a decision. But if he's instantly shooting takedowns, that means he even knows that he's not the better striker in this matchup. So it be interesting. Yeah. And you said it best. I, I, Brandon Moreno is fantastic. I love him. I was rooting for him in all three of those figgy fights. 
But again, you're right. He lost two of them. He's two and one, or one and two against the champ. Obviously, officially, it's one, one, and one. But, uh, you know, he lost that first one, and a point deduction really helped him out there. Next up at UFC 277, we have the main event. We have uh, what some people will argue the greatest female fighter of all time heading to Dallas to try to win her belt back. We got Juliana Pena taking on Amanda Nunez. Juliana Pena, 11-4 overall, 3-2 in her last five, coming off that title win over Amanda Nunez. Amanda Nunez is 21-5 overall, 4-1 in her last five, coming off her first loss in seven years and 12 fights. Juliana Pena is coming off the greatest win of her career, obviously, and one of the greatest upsets of all time. She showed the world exactly how tough she is and how much she wanted that win because she absolutely willed the win. She gutted it out. She stayed tough and she pulled it off. Technique-wise, she is well-rounded and she is solid everywhere. She makes up for any of her skill gaps with just gritty, dirty, underdog-style fighting. She comes forward, she gets in your face, and she makes it sloppy. The sloppiness frustrates some people and it throws them out of a rhythm, especially the more technical fighters that she faces. She's 7-2 and two in the UFC and her only losses are to former champion Geraint Randomy and current champion Valentina Shevchenko. And despite this loss, the one against Juliana Pena, Nunez is still pretty much considered the, the best female fighter of all time. She lost her 135-pound belt, but she is still the queen at 145 pounds. She has destroyed almost every single person they have put in front of her, and she has done it any way that she wants to. She's got incredible power with her hands. She's also got solid wrestling, fantastic jiu-jitsu. She averages more than two takedowns per fight and has a very impressive striking differential. And listen, Amanda Nunes has decimated two different weight divisions, two different weight classes, and she didn't look human doing it. And that actually might have been the problem in their first fight because she was so used to steamrolling people, she forgot what it was like to actually be in a fight. She dominated Pena in that first round and she looked... It just looked like it was going to be another Amanda Nunes win inside the distance type fight. But Pena didn't stop. She didn't fold. She stayed in Amanda's face. She just kept coming forward. And when Amanda exhausted herself chasing the finish, Pena was able to get it done. The question isn't who's the better fighter because I think even the people on the Pena side will agree Amanda Nunes is the better fighter. The question is, can Amanda be the better fighter for 25 minutes? Because Pena is so tough that even if she's losing the minutes, she's just going to continue working forward and waiting for her opportunity. Personally, I think Amanda learned a lesson. I think she almost needed the loss to just keep her going, keep her motivated. And when you're as dominant as she was for as long as she was, I'm sure it was hard to put the extra work in, right? Run that extra mile, do the extra cardio, all of that stuff. It, it's probably, probably hard to motivate yourself when you're just destroying everybody with little to no effort. Amanda, with cardio, decimates Pena. And I think Amanda shows up with some cardio and she's ready to go. So the pick is Nunez. The line is actually tightening even more, which is just blowing my mind. Frankly, minus 275, minus 300, all of that money is worth it for Amanda Nunez. This is the greatest female fighter of all time that six months ago, minus 900 people were like that's solid minus i'll spend minus 900 a guarantee is a guarantee and now all of a sudden she's less than a three to one favorite it's it's blowing my mind what do you think 
Jakey boy. Uh, I will say if you go watch our breakdowns and my individual video I made for the week leading up to that fight that I predicted that Julia Pena could win that fight. I didn't say she would, but then it said she could win that fight by by putting doubt into the champion's mind. And that's exactly what she did. The second that Nunes started getting hit, she was like, oh shit, now I got to try and get this girl out of here. She tried to get her out of there and couldn't do it. Obviously... People kind of misremember that fight, I think. Nunes was dominating the first round. She got hit a couple times, but had Pena on her back, was doing whatever she wanted to. You know, she came out of the second round, got hit a couple times. Pena hit her with a couple jabs. She heard the oohs and ahs. I think she snapped back Nunes' head back one time, and everyone's like, oh. And Nunes was like, okay, yeah, let me put this girl out of here real quick because they're oohing and ahing. Throwing the big overhand rides, tired herself out. Obviously, you know, it ended the way it did. She's a better fighter. I mean, you said she's she absolutely is a better fighter. But I'll be honest with you, I don't think she cares anymore. I, I honestly just don't even think she cares anymore. I, she she left ATT, even leading up to this week. She's still making excuses. Like I, people will tell me I should have pulled out. I shouldn't have ever even fought. It's like, are you leaving the past behind and you're going to prove a point? Or are you going to keep bringing that up? Keep making excuses about a fight that was so long ago. You got the girl in front of you again. You can you can prove her wrong. Right now, by finishing her, but you're still making excuses about the last fight. I honestly just don't think she cares anymore. I, I think she cares about this fight and, you know, wants to... Obviously, nobody wants to... Goes in a fight thinking like, oh, you know, I don't care if I lose or whatever. I think she obviously wants to win the fight. But I don't think she's as, motiv- as motivated as she was, you know. She's got, she's got the family thing. She left ATT. She's starting her own thing. I'm watching her on the Embedded. She's got no coaches around her. Even when she's, like, running on the treadmill, it's just Nina and the baby. There's no coaches around to motivate, you know, this and that. She's kind of doing her own thing at this point. Can she still win? Doing her own thing, yes, right? She should win this fight. She's a much better fighter than Juliana Pena. But, you know, I lead, leading up to the Nunes fight the first time, I told you guys, Juliana Pena, everyone says I'm not scared of the champ, right? Everyone says, you know, even when they're a huge underdog, I'm not scared. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Juliana Pena was the one person I actually believed, and I mentioned that leading up to fight week. She was not scared of, of Nunes going into that fight. She is not going to be scared again going into this fight. And if she starts having success again, there's going to be the exact same doubt that enters Nunez's mind that, that, that formed in that first fight. She's going to be thinking, oh shit, here we go again. I'm going to get embarrassed again. And, and Julian Penn is going to take advantage of that. So I actually think this fight's going to be closer than people think. People think Nunez is going to come in and run, over, run her over. And maybe that happens. That's probably what should happen. She is a much better fighter. But I think this fight is closer than people think. It could be a slobber knocker to bring that back out again for the second time. Um, a five-round decision. I, I think that that Pena puts a little bit better fight than than people think. My pick is going to be Nunez, but I think it's more competitive than people think it's going to be. It could be. I mean, obviously, all, all, the only thing that happened in the last fight is she gassed. So you think she's going to have better cardio this fight? Then great. She should win. And she does look lean. Not, I, I texted you that today, today uh, as well. On the embedded, she looks like she's lean in shape. She mentioned she's cleaned up the diet a little bit and stuff. So, and, I mean, she's saying all the right things, but it's hard to um, – you know, what they, What do they say? It's hard to get up and, and run when you're sleeping in satin sheets. Is that the uh, phrase? Something like that. Well, that's why I think the loss was good for her. And this is, you mentioned, or maybe you were the comment section, the Connor, the Connor effect, right? Left, started on gym, Connor, the motivate. The difference is Connor lost to Khabib. Connor lost to, you know, Connor lost to fighters better than him. Julian Pena is not better than Amanda Nunes. Amanda Nunes got caught sleeping at the guard and learned her lesson, at least in my opinion, learned her lesson. And, and people are in the schmack, schmack 
in the live chat talking about, oh, Amanda's a mom. They always go soften their mom. Fucking Juliana Pena's a mom, you dingus. I don't know. So then she not go soft? Like, that's so stupid. Oh, she's the mom. They always go they're soft when they become mom. Moms. that gave birth. Nunes didn't give birth. Pena gave birth. So even, like, the, that whole thing is just so What a stupid angle. Um, and then somebody said that to me, too. I said, oh, she, you know, she had a kid. She switched gyms. And someone's like, she didn't have a kid. Listen, I didn't birth my kids either, but I'll tell you, when they were born, I was tired as fuck. So everybody just wants to be a genius. None of you are geniuses. I think Amanda Nunes wins. If Juliana Pena smokes her, then yeah, 100%. Amanda Nunes just stopped caring. She's got money. She started her own gym, and she's trying to do that. But definitely, definitely the better fighter. It was very clear in the first round who the better fighter was. Juliana Pena didn't beat Amanda Nunes at fighting. Amanda Nunes got exhausted and Juliana Pena pounced. Anyway, 7,900. Uh, you know, I do want to spend the 9,200, but it does worry me. What happened in the last fight does worry me. She could gas again. Maybe it's not the second round. Maybe it's the fourth. But she could gas again. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting. Kind of, I mentioned the uh, the Moreno fight. If he starts shooting takedowns, I think Nunes should shoot takedowns immediately. I, I, if she is coming in with a good game plan, I think it's grapple, get on top of Pena, and really punish her on the ground. Because if she starts bang, if she comes out and starts trying to knock her out again in the first round, it's like, oh shit, here we go again. Well, and we've seen Nunes do that. We've seen her go in the fights where she was worried about the striking, so she grappled her way to a win. Wasn't it how she beat Duran Durandamy? She just grappled the right, hell out yeah. of her? So yeah, we've seen very, her do it. Very good wrestler, very good wrestler. Yeah. yeah, we've seen her do it. We've seen that she's got the cardio to do that, and I think she does that here. And I don't understand. This guy, Tell I'm salty. How much did I lose? First of all, anybody who bets on a minus 1,000 favorite is a fucking idiot. So I lost nothing because I would never bet money on that big of a favorite. That is insane. You don't even parlay Unless that it's Ryan big Hall. of a You just don't do it. Like, that's just crazy to do. Ryan so, Hall versus Francis Naganu minus 1,000. I'll put a house yeah. on it. So I lost zero money on Amanda Nunez's last fight. I just, you know, I just find it nuts. It's just so funny. Last fight, you couldn't find anybody thinking Juliana Pena will win. And I get it. Then she won and people's minds changed. Now... Picking Nunez is like the taboo thing. Everybody's like, oh, oh Juliana Payne is the best. So um, can't wait to see Amanda Nunez win. At least that's what I think is going to happen. Monkey Knife Fight Strike Line, 57 to 76. I don't know what to do with this. I'm not going to touch it because I just, I think you're right. I think she just takes her down. And this looks like the Jerain Durandamy fight. But who knows? What do you think? But if she takes her down, I don't think, I don't think she's going to finish Pena. I think, it's, I think it's a long fight. I think it's a more more. Yeah, could be. Well, yeah, she didn't finish to randomly, at least in my, off the top of my head, she didn't finish her either. So, um, Monkey Knife Fight Strike Line, I'm probably going to leave that alone. Um, I don't think I'm going to bet this fight other than I got the money line on Amanda because in my mind, you can get good odds on the greatest female fighter of all time versus, listen, People are going to come at me. You're already upset in the live chat here. Juliana Pena is basically a journeyman with a ton of grit and a ton of heart that was able to get it done. That's what's going on here. So, And we'll I tried see. to reach out to see if she needed a place to stay for fight week. I haven't heard back. No. Oh, okay. You're going to pull out the futon? The Venezuelan vixen. I got a full queen-size bed sitting next to me. 
It's a two-bedroom penthouse. Don't forget that. I bet. I bet. With an office, I guess, right? Oh, anyway. Yeah. With a lot. You guys want 50 free dollars? Go to wewantpicks.com slash bets. Sign up. Make a deposit. We will send you 50 bucks as a thank you. And if you want to become a premium member, it is only $10 a month. It's $2.50 a week. That's per event. And you have all sorts of exclusive bets all of our picks, you'll get them early. Our bets are early. We rank every single fighter from a DFS perspective. We do DraftKings ownership. And there's all sorts of exclusive content, early content before lines move for only $10 a month. Go to wewantpicks.com, scroll to the top, and click become a member. Anybody worried that we're going to start taking this stuff and putting everything behind the paywall. We're not going to do that. What we are going to do is put new stuff in the membership, but we're not going to move the picks or any of that stuff to the membership. Lock of the week. Us. If you want my lock of go. the week, you got to Venmo me $200 at this point. We're three in a row. We're about, uh, no, we're four in a row. We're four in a row. About to do five in a row. I said after three straight losses that I was going to win 17 in a row. We're four on our way. So you got to Venmo me I mean, it's got to be, you got to have a comma in there if you want my lock of the week for this week. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Yeah, all right. Well, congratulations to Jacob. Don't get overly confident. And uh, thank you all so much for the watch. Like, subscribe, do all the things. And don't forget, there's 200 of you watching. Any of you who are not in our Discord, it's free. It's not tied to any membership. It's free. It's just something else that we're doing for nothing is providing that platform. There's a link in our description. Go to that. Join the free Discord. And we're all in this together. Let's all just try to get rich together, share, do all the things. We'll see you guys later this week for the rest of our content.